Ooh, 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 that, yeah. Wop. Uh-huh. Yeah. Let's go. Uh-huh. 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 Okay, I'm not done. I'm ready. Let's just go. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. I am here with Shanice of Sally Pudge, and you are here with... Caitlin Sophia Haswell. And you are listening to the Pure Mental Podcast. Whoop, whoop. Where we <laughs> are going to be talking about a very serious subject. Serious. Mental health. So this podcast is specifically going to be focusing on depression, anxiety and PTSD. Um, I am uneducated on the likes of eating disorders, OCD, schizophrenia and all the other mental you know, illnesses. I'm not educated enough to talk about them and so that's why this is going to be specifically focusing on them subjects. I'm just going to add a trigger warning in now. We are going to be talking about self-harm, suicide, and obviously everything else that covers and surrounds mental health. So if anything in this podcast could potentially trigger you, please stop listening now. But I'd hope you'd stay and listen to my story and thank you for listening. So, mental health is a very, very big thing nowadays compared to what it used to be like back in the day um it's been highlighted more there's been more light brung to it however i still don't think there is enough being done about it i think obviously it has definitely been more cases and you see the statistics rise and people are more aware now of what mental health is and i think a lot of the negative stereotypes from those cases back in history are still really prevalent today and i think we see a lot of like in film tv media a lot of the bad guys or the evil characters do have traits of mental health issues yeah and that's something i think needs talking about like why do we as viewers have to see these traits of ourselves in the bad guys yeah exactly also want to touch upon how hard it is i think to get help and actually reach out there's a lot of people out there that don't know what to do or something happens where it's too late or something happens where they've had to be pushed to the very edge for something to actually be done about it and when something actually gets done about it it's like you either get put on a waiting list Mm. or you get put on medication that may make you worse before it makes you better for example i know quite a few people now who have been put on sertraline if you have experienced sertraline, I've experienced sertraline, and it says on the leaflet, do not take if you are feeling suicidal. It literally says that on the leaflet, and they give it out to people who are feeling suicidal, and they do say to you, you are going to feel worse before you feel better, but I don't understand that. Why are you giving anti-anxiety medication to someone who is feeling suicidal when it literally says on the leaflet, do not give to someone who is suicidal? Because yeah. it can make them worse. You'd think that at this day and age, we'd have medication that could, you know, help people rather than hinder them first. But isn't it weird that it's that exact same medication that they offer to you first? I've known a few people who have been on so training and hated it. I hated it. It made me feel ten times worse. It, it, like, messed with my emotions. I didn't like it at all. We're not, we're not medical professionals. We're just two students that are going through stuff and we have experiences that we're in a state of mind that we can share. Yeah, exactly. And I think as well, when people don't suffer with mental health, they still don't know how to deal with someone who's dealing 
with mental health like they don't know enough about it and I think that doing this is going to kind of help people I hope that people who don't suffer with mental health listen listen to this as well so that they can be educated on it because for example from 2017 2018 public health of England antidepressants were given out to 7.3 million people which is 17 percent of the adult population and that's over 18s alone that's a lot of antidepressants like that is a scary figure like that's a lot of people dealing with mental health and obviously that has gone up especially during covid because you know people are going to feel lonely and i have here as well that a survey was done by general practitioners and it showed that the biggest cause of depression is mainly childhood abuse Mm -hmm. childhood neglect rape violence in adulthood and then following on from this like i said loneliness drugs and alcohol family stress financial problems and loss of a loved one you do not have to go through something massively traumatic in your life to deal with mental health Mm -hmm. anyone can have mental health issues anyone can deal with depression you do not have to go through this massive thing it's a chemical imbalance i think that's what a lot of people don't understand if you sat two people down together and someone went through something really traumatic and another person didn't it doesn't mean that the other person can't deal with mental health issues because yeah. it's it's a chemical imbalance. Yeah, and I think there is there is 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 mental health issues. Are they genetic? Are they like biological? Is is that is there a relation to? Are you born with it? Yeah. Basically, and I think to the idea of that you're either you've been through you're, you're going to be like this your whole life. That negative kind of mindset to have can be really damaging especially for somebody who doesn't have mental health problems or isn't aware of their own mental health problems and then to think oh well i've never been for anything so obviously i'm fine but they could be really suffering yeah and they don't know that because they deny it because they've never they've never been told like that's why you're the way you are i think as well when you're dealing with a mental health illness it's an illness it doesn't just go away it doesn't just just evaporate it doesn't just you know disappear but there's things you can do to help yourself cope with it you can still be positive you can still be happy yes you can still have your bad days but dealing with depression anxiety ptsd all these sort of things does not mean you cannot be happy you can still have a positive mindset you can do little things to change your life and have a better outcome from life but you are still going to have your days because you have a mental illness mental illnesses can't be cured they don't just go away they can be helped which is fine you can talk to people which is brilliant that's amazing or you can find a way to deal with it yourself you can find coping mechanisms you can find hobbies you can find anything i would like to touch upon how mental health affects other people and this is a conversation people do not want to have because mental health is a touchy subject people's behaviors can affect other people if they have a mental health illness they can become toxic they can become manipulative and they can hurt other people um for example if someone is having issues or if someone is dealing with symptoms that relate to a mental illness depression anxiety there's a lot of people out there who refuse to get help they don't think anything is wrong with them they don't want the help they don't think they need to help which then it makes it harder because if you're sat refusing to get help when someone else is trying to help you if if someone doesn't under not everybody's going to understand mental health so me with someone who potentially has a mental illness and you who might not 
how are you going to help me if you don't understand how I'm feeling, but I also don't understand how I'm feeling? Mm -hmm. It's impossible. You are not a professional. You don't understand. So if this person is refusing to get help and is saying, no, there's nothing wrong with me, how can you help them? Mm -hmm. How can you physically help someone who does not want to be helped? Mental illness is all about you. If you do not want to be helped, you are going to carry on having these behaviours and that is going to affect other people. You're, you can turn toxic, you can turn really manipulative, you can turn, it can make people nasty. Mm -hmm. It can make people quite aggressive and horrible and say things. And I think that can be damaging. And I think this is a conversation that needs to be had about if the people who are dealing with mental illness aren't getting helped, they should think about how it affects other people. Yeah, I think I've always said like, you are you and that's the person that you have to look out for at the end of the day everyone's got to look out for number one and i think if you are suffering with mental health issues the one person who is always going to be on your side is always going to be rooting for you 100 percent of the time even when your brain tells you no you're not is you and if you're not going to help yourself the world doesn't owe you anything the world isn't going to magically fix you or take anything away or reverse trauma or anything like that you ha it starts with you people can be there for you people can help you people can support you people can love you and give you everything that you need but that is not going to take your mental illness away that is not going to fix everything you i'm not saying you need to seek professional help because that's not always the case that's not always the answer but you need to start doing things for yourself the only person you have in this life truly is yourself and that is why I always try and get people to love themselves and to trust themselves because the only person you will only ever have and trust is yourself. You're the only person realistically that you need in your life. I think that other people can only do a certain amount until, because you even get to a point, I've been to a point before where you start telling people what's wrong and they start to go like, oh, I hope you're okay. Oh, you need to do this and need to do that. And you get kind of sick. If you're in the same thing, mm -hmm. the point where you're just tired and you're just like, no, mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about it. But then you're just bottling it up. Yeah. You're just making it worse for yourself. And I think you need to look at what that can do to somebody else's mental health. And I think mm -hmm. if you, you're there for somebody 24-7 and you're always trying to uplift them, you answer every phone call, you answer every FaceTime, you, you're on their, on their case all the time trying to get them out of the house, out of bed, washed, cleaned it can be draining yeah especially for obviously family and friends and close people that's negatively going to impact them because they're going to get tired they're going to be exhausted and they're going to reach a point where they don't know what else they can possibly do and that can really negatively affect them and i think obviously you are looking out for number one but you have to be aware of the people that are around you and yes it's difficult and yes it can be a struggle but it's important that you don't just think this is my life i feel this way and that's that's it i mean i've been in positions before where other people's mental health have negatively impacted my life i've been emotionally manipulated i've been you know shouted at screamed at people and i know i understand people can say things in the heat of the moment people can say things that they don't mean but i mean i'm not just talking about them being angry like they've said to me oh my mental health caused yeah. this to happen and i've lost people because their actions were toxic towards me. Their actions manipulated me. They drained me. They used me. I've lost myself trying to help 
someone else with their mental health because they haven't admitted it to themselves they've not wanted help they've not tried to seek help and they've just carried on leaning on you and being leaned on is draining i literally lost myself as a person trying to do so much for someone else and then that knocks my mental health so and i think it's a very taboo subject like people are always like well they don't suffer with mental health and mental health is like something that needs to be you know looked at but it also affects other people yeah. like i struggle with mental health and you know it's scary and my actions can have consequences but i think there's admitting that and seeing that and understanding that you can affect other people and your thoughts in your head can also affect other people mm -hmm. and so why wouldn't you want to get the help so another cheeky little taboo subject is self-diagnosis is self-diagnosis okay is it okay to go okay like i'm dealing with depression because i think in some cases so for example if someone thinks they have adhd and they go like oh i'm hyper all the time i have adhd but then go i can relate to the symptoms of adhd there's a difference there because then if you relate to them symptoms and you think you have it but then like like it's not easy to get diagnosed no it's not you have to go i'm pretty sure you have to go to the doctors they have to refer you to a psychiatrist i think which then diagnoses you i'm not i'm not even sure about how that works i'm not actually sure how diagnosis actually works yeah um but then is it okay for someone to say i have adhd because i deal with symptoms even though they haven't been officially diagnosed yeah i think for, like from my point of view with my mental health like i've struggled I've, I've never been officially diagnosed with anything yeah so i will not sit there and say i have depression i have anxiety yeah but i do relate to the traits that pick up special anxiety like, yeah you, like you know me, me too yeah i've got a really bad separation anxiety and it's overwhelming and i as a 20 year old woman will cry and break down on a public transport yeah. because i cannot cope with the way that my head and my heart are telling me that i feel because i'm leaving somebody or a place i'm not gonna sit there and say oh i have anxiety but I think that there's something, there is something there. Yeah, for it to constantly yeah. reoccur, yeah. So I think in those cases to acknowledge, I feel this way and this is why I feel this way. How am I going to cope with it and to help myself? That's a positive way. Yeah. But if you're playing the, oh, I'm not, I'm, I have depression because I'm, I'm sad all the time. Yeah. That's negatively going to impact you and everybody else around you because if you're not suffering with that, you're not going to get the correct support. Yeah. And it can take away valuable support that other people who are actually suffering need. Um, I think people need to understand the difference between being sad and having depression. Yeah. It's scarily two completely different things. I've dealt with both. I've dealt with sadness. You know, you have a down day, you just feel a bit tired, you just feel like, you know, someone upsets you, you're sad. Depression is literally like fighting with your own head, fighting with your own thoughts, struggling to do a, the tiniest little thing, struggling to get out of bed, not wanting to see anyone, not wanting to speak with anyone. I know that I have certain episodes mm -hmm. and I have really, really bad episodes, which include intrusive thoughts and suicidal thoughts mm -hmm. and self-harm thoughts. And all of these come under the bracket of depression. Mm -hmm. I don't feel depressed every single day. Yeah. I can still have depression. Yeah but I haven't been diagnosed. Yeah. And so it's a scary thing because just because I haven't been diagnosed 
does not mean to say that I do not have depression. Yeah. And so it's one of them things where it's like people need to understand the difference. Yeah. Between the two feelings. Yeah. And there's a lot of people out there that deal with depression, don't even know it. They just yeah. think that's sad. And so there's that side of it as well. Yeah, I never realised how depressed I was until last year and when my flatmates had to literally sit me down and go something's going on and you're not seeing it yeah it was a really dark time where i was so struggling and i never saw it and i'm not gonna sit there and say i have depression i was depressed because looking back at it now and feeling sadness now is a different kind of sadness feels you know it's like, an emotion it's an emotion you feel it you feel upset yeah. you feel you feel what the color blue is yeah you genuinely feel this negative like weight on you depression is like numbness oh yeah it's 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 this feeling of emptiness and it's like a big hole missing yeah yeah and you don't know why, why or mm-hmm. how to get it back you just have to sit there you also can't explain it i can no. sit here and explain sadness to you yeah, yeah yeah but i cannot explain sometimes i went through a stage of my really dark time that i'm going to talk about soon mm-hmm. of someone would ask me okay what's wrong and i'd be like i don't know i literally you do just, not know you do not know your body is just like yeah this, this that, that's it deal that's with it. it deal with it yeah and I don't think people understand how serious those feelings, how scary those feelings are. Yeah. And how that can lead to something so much worse. It's a really, really tight like line between being depressed and doing something stupid. Stupid, that you'll regret. yeah. Oh, yeah. And part of self-diagnosing is if you feel like you're you're there, it's about if you're gonna diagnose then what are you going to do about it? Yeah, exactly. Are you going to go and get help? Yeah. Are you going to go and speak to somebody about it? Or are you going to say you have this condition and not do anything and just bring other people down and lean on people too much? Yes, it's okay to not be sure or to to be saying, oh, I think I have this. I'm going to go and reach out to somebody. That's okay. But if you're just going to diagnose, so you have the diagnosis. Yeah, just to say I've got it. Yeah. Yeah that's dangerous yeah that's toxic people people that do that need to look at themselves and go do i really feel like that or am i just sad today yeah exactly exactly that so you just said before that you're going to get into you know the grittiest stuff now of your story um is this hard for you do you think you're going to struggle talking about it now that i've dealt with the emotions and the feelings that come along with my story no i don't struggle talking about it I want to talk about it because I want to raise awareness. I want other people to talk about it. And if my story gets other people's stories out there, I will not struggle with this at all. And so, yeah, this is going to be my story and, you know, where it all started. Let's go. Let's go. So I dealt with a lot of stuff in my childhood, including neglect and abuse. Um, It got worse. Um, the older I got to the point where I had to move to my dad's house my mom and dad divorced when I was around three years old maybe when I was five we all lived in Newcastle when I was five my mom took me and my big sister Shannon to Scotland we moved to Scotland my dad was absolutely devastated I'm a daddy's girl obviously we all you know packed up left that's kind of just the background of that it kind of all started in high school. Um, the bullying started. 
Um, luckily enough, it was not abusive bullying, but it was, you know, the name calling. I was constantly teased because I was from Scotland because of the colour of my hair. I was always called an attention seeker because of my personality. Obviously, I was the loud mouth. I was always the girl to wind up. And when it come to like the boys, they would always tease me. They always knew how to get a reaction out of me. And so it was constant. Even though I was the popular, in the popular group at school, um, I wasn't very popular. Uh, how does that work? <laughs> so, I, like, obviously, yeah, I was in with the popular girls. Some of them I was really, really close to. But it was mainly, like, none of the boys liked me. Obviously, all of the boys in that year would speak to every other girl in that group and would be fine with them. But as soon as it came to me, nope. They hated me. They would tease me. They would wind me up. And then, obviously, that's the first ever time I really remember... I, I didn't think of it as mental health, but this is when the overthinking came and the self-doubt came. This led to quite severe self-harm. And I know that people self-harm for different reasons. Some people do it because they're controlling the pain. And when they stop doing it, that's the pain gone. For me, it was telling myself that I'm not good enough, telling myself that these i deserved what these people were saying about me um it was mainly self-doubt um this went on for months it went from cutting myself to pulling my hair out to hitting myself in the head when you know like i couldn't do something or get something right i would get frustrated at myself my friends at school noticed when we did pe but no one really knew like what to say my parents had absolutely no idea i didn't know how to tell them i was struggling and so this was all a silent battle in my head of constantly me telling myself I'm not good enough because why would these people be saying anything to me? Why was I singled out? Why do people constantly come at me and pick at me? I didn't do anything. Yes, okay, I was fucking annoying. I was loud. I was that bitch, like, in school. I get it. But why did I deserve that? Why did I deserve the name calling? Why did I deserve anything that I got? And I don't think people... People in high school especially, it's scary because they don't realise the damage they're doing. Yeah. To the boys, it was just a bit of fun, a bit of banter, a bit of crack with their mates. But to me, that was so damaging. Yeah, so that was kind of the bullying, which triggered the mental health. But as I grew up, I realised it went way back further than being bullied at school. Um... There was constant drama in my mom's life. Seeing and hearing things I should never experienced, including physical abuse my mom suffered of partners she had and drug abuse. Um, I didn't know. Obviously, you know when like you grow up and you start piecing things together mm -hmm. of what happened when you were younger, but when you were younger, you didn't understand it. Yeah. There was a lot of things that now I understand and that included them talking about drugs. My mom having constant sexual partners, her cheating and having affairs. Um, my mom suffers with borderline personality disorder. Um, so there was always a lot of partners in and out of the house. We were always moving around because she was constantly in trouble. One of the symptoms of borderline personality disorder is um, unstable relationships. She has cheated on every man she's been with, including my father. Um, and so my mum's been very unstable her whole life. My childhood wasn't great. Um, I was very left out as a child. My mum and dad, obviously, like I said before, got divorced when I was young. 
um, again due to my mum and her lack of loyalty. My mum and dad fell out and could never see eye eye due to the trouble she caused for him. I was my mother's leverage over my dad. She treated me differently because of the hate she had for my dad and so did my granny. My gran, which is my mum's mother, um, they would take my big sister on holiday, they would take her bowling, they would take her to the cinema, they would take her to all these fun things. Um, and my granny's excuse for not taking me to do these things was that I was a fussy eater. Which, yes, I was. But as I got older, I realised that being a fucking fussy eater is not a good enough reason to leave a child out of doing all these amazing fun things. She then proceeded to tell me that she wanted nothing to do with me when I moved to Newcastle with my dad. And I didn't realise until I was older that she was literally disowning me. She sat me down on her carpet and she said, when you move to Newcastle with your dad, I want fuck all to do with you. I don't want to see you again. I want absolutely nothing to do with you. My mom sat there, my sister sat there, and they let all of this happen. And no one defended me, no one stuck up for me. Yeah, that was the beginning of me moving to Newcastle. So do you think it was a build-up of things, obviously, from what you had experienced at home at that point? Was it a build-up or was that like a, was there like a big major event that pushed you over the edge? Like what? So it was a build-up. Yeah. I was also bullied in primary school. Um, my mom verbally abused me who my sister would make fun of me because i cried a lot which granted i cried a lot because my sister used to hit me a lot my like obviously sisters fight sisters oh my god sisters bitch and they fight but it got to the point where my sister would hit me in front of her friends because it would make her friends laugh she would you know drag me down the stairs by my hair she poured water over me and my mom would be like you know well that's what you get for not getting up in the mornings they called me bubbles that was my nickname because I cried. So when I was crying, they'd be like, oh, his bubble's crying again. Like, they mocked me. And that was my mom and my big sister mm. making fun of me. I also have a little sister called Holly. I also have a cousin called Shay, who we later found out isn't actually my real cousin. Um, but we adopted her because my uncle went to jail. So she is now my sister. I will always call her my sister. So Shay and Holly, Shay obviously lived with us. I would look after Shane Holly, I'd bath them, I would feed them, I would wake up at six o'clock Saturday and Sunday to get up with them, get their breakfast while my mum lay in bed and had a lie in. And as a 12 year old girl, I did not want that responsibility. I wanted to be going out with my friends. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have a drink of juice with my meal that my dad gave me when I would go down and visit my dad. Cause I visited my dad on the holidays and I started to think, I enjoy being at my dad's. My dad takes me to the cinema, my dad takes me ice skating, my dad buys me clothes, my dad gives me, like I said, a glass of juice with my dinner. It was these little things. And I got to the point and I rang my dad and I was like, Dad, I wanna come live with you. And the joy in my dad's voice when I said that, it then got to the point where, you know, the court phase, we had to go to court. My mom was angry at me. She says, you are not moving to your dad's house. And I was praying to God. I was, I remember being 12 years old, on my hands and knees, praying to God to let me move to my dad's house because I was fed up. I'd had enough. I didn't want the responsibility of look after two children. I didn't want to be bullied at school. I didn't want to be bullied by my mom. I didn't want to have to endure that anymore. 
and so I made the decision and to this day it is one of the best decisions I've made and I genuinely don't know where I would be if I was still living in Scotland because my mom is a very toxic person because of her mental health and so that is the reason why I moved to Newcastle with my dad um, this is all relevant as this is what triggers me now and this is the biggest kind of cause of my mental health I've always been insecure I haven't always been liked by everybody I overthink I get in my own head I beat myself up really badly and my intrusive thoughts can tell me how unworthy I am but now that I sit back and think I wasn't shown love by my mother I wasn't shown that people care about me I wasn't told that you know like I love you so much or I didn't get like a good night kiss I didn't get read to nobody really came in my school things you know like I wasn't showing that and so that's kind of the childhood basis but the year my mental health really took a toll was 2018 2018 I got into a relationship with someone I fell in love with very fast. I was convinced he was my soulmate. The relationship was perfect, the boy was perfect, everything is fine, everything was how it was supposed to be. But now, when I think back to that time, I wasn't fine at all. I would cry for no reason. Josh, who was my boyfriend, didn't have a clue what to say or do, despite his best efforts to help and comfort me. We could never get to the bottom of what it was that was bothering me. He would literally sit and be like, Caitlin, what's wrong? And I'd be like, I don't know. I literally, I can't tell you. Without realizing this did have an effect on my relationship, as I understand now his frustra frustration with not knowing what to do or how to help. And I refused to go to the doctors as I didn't want to be on medication. When I think back, I genuinely think it was a fear of losing him. I was so, so in love with him. And I think it was the abandonment issues that caused me to feel the way I did. We were doing fine. Me and him were doing, you know, we'd have, we'd have our arguments, we'd have our, you know, disagreements yeah. in every normal relationship. But in March, 2019, he said he didn't want to be in a relationship anymore. He was a very independent person. We both wanted different things from the relationship. I wanted to see him all the time. I needed that love. I needed that affection. I needed him to want me. Whereas he liked his own personal space. He liked going to the gym. He liked his job. Um, and he couldn't give me what I was asking from him. Yeah. But then... At that time, I wasn't asking for much. I wanted my boyfriend to want to see me. I wanted my boyfriend to spend time with me. And so I said, I'm letting you go. Like, you know, we can't do this. I can't continue hurting myself just because I'm in love with you. I admitted to myself that I wasn't happy despite being so in love with him. This tore me apart. This absolutely broke me. I was heartbroken. I was in physical pain, a pain I can never say I've experienced before it was I couldn't eat I couldn't sleep I couldn't get out of bed I couldn't do nothing it literally broke me the reason why I think it hit so hard was because Josh was the first person to reciprocate the love I felt for him back he cared about me and my needs he was romantic he was kind he was a good listener 
After we broke up, I started going out every weekend, telling myself I need to be distracted. I was drinking so much. I was experimenting with drugs. I wasn't admitting to myself. I was actually in so much pain. And I had, in fact, at this point, been triggered. So what pushed you to go down that path? Because obviously drinking and drugs are something really serious. And what, like, how did it get that bad? It was there. It was an option. Mm. I would go out. I was distracting myself. I was having fun. I don't know if you can, you obviously can't see me, but you know, fun <laughs> is what Quotation I thought. Marks. Yeah, fun is what I thought I was having. Yeah. It was a distraction. Someone offered me drugs. I was like, yeah, why not? I've got nothing to lose. Woo, drugs, let's go. That's Thinking nice. I was big and mighty. It absolutely ruined me. It does not help situations at all. Don't do drugs, kids. It was it was really bad. I, it was every single weekend I was going out, even some days on the week, and it was just a distraction. It was to get me out because I don't know what would have happened if I didn't have that distraction. So come August 2019, I go on a girls' holiday to Ayanapa, without going into too much detail about this because obviously I you know I'm friends with some people now. That was a really really bad holiday for me. I was hurt and betrayed by the friends I went with. They, you know, were quite toxic when we were out there. It was a very damaging week. Mm -hmm. um, when I came back, cut them out of my life totally, got rid of them. I was like, I don't want this in my life anymore. So not only that year had I lost my boyfriend that I was in love with, I lost some um, of my bestest friends from high school. Months after this, I suffered in silence. I would cry myself to sleep most nights. I was putting this facade on in this front. Everybody who knows me knows, you know, I'm the funny one, I'm the energetic one, I'm the big, loud one who's always happy. As far as everybody con was concerned, that's who they were saying. Um, I didn't know what else to do. I didn't talk to anybody about it. I touched upon it. Like, if someone was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I feel like shit. But it was never in detail. Yeah. Um, I was in a lot of pain and I didn't know how to handle it. I tried going to the doctors, and that's when I mentioned earlier on that they put me on sertraline. It made me 10 times worse. I came off it. I know you're supposed to feel worse before you uh, feel better, but I was on this medication for three months, so. Do you think, obviously not, not to insult him, <laughs> but do you think that Josh played a part in your mental health? Like, do you think he made your mental health worse? Josh didn't understand mental health. Josh did not, was not dealing with mental health issues as far as I'm aware. Um, he didn't know what to do. He saw someone who was upset and was angry and frustrated and sad all of the time mm -hmm. and he didn't know what to do, which then made me angry and sad and frustrated that someone who I was so in love with couldn't help me. Yeah. But that's a toxic way to think. I leaned on him for happiness. I leaned on him for support. He was my only happiness. I was not happy within myself. Mm -hmm. I was not happy with my life. He was the only thing that was keeping me going and that is not a good thing. That is toxic. So I would say no and yes. In the toxic way, toxically speaking, he didn't know how to help and I was angry. Not angry at him, but I was sad that he didn't know what to do or couldn't help me yeah. and he didn't understand. But no, because it it was my own thoughts and it was my own head. Would I have been like that if it wasn't if we went together? I don't know. So I can't say that he played a massive part because it's my head, it's my feelings, it's my chemical imbalance, if you say. Um, 
he made me very, very happy. We had some of the best memories. We still talk about them to this day. And so, no, I don't think he played that big of a part in it. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) 27th of September came. I had a massive dispute with my parents, big argument. They kicked me out of the house. They didn't kick me out of the house. They sent me to my grandma's, but I didn't want to upset my grandma. So (laughs) I came to stay with you. Um, How did... What's your point of view on this? I came to you. I was kicked out the house. Okay, let me think. Um... I can't remember if it was that late on the night. I don't know. It was, was late. Was it late? It was like 11 o'clock at night. So I, th- I remember it being dark, definitely. And I remember yeah. getting a phone call off you saying um, that you needed you needed me. And I was like, what's happened? Like, what's going How on? How did I sound? Was I crying? Oh, you distraught. It was one of the worst, to like... It was one of the worst times I've heard you. I've heard you when you're upset. Like, I've seen you when you're upset, when you're angry, whatever. This was a genuine, like, cry for help. Yeah. And I was so concerned. It was instantly like, what? No, what's happened? And you described the situation to me, obviously, in more detail than what, what, what's been said. And you were just like, I just need, I just can't be here. I need, I need to be somewhere safe. And obviously, looking for me, my accommodation's right in the centre of the city. So I was like, get here. Mm-hmm. And you were like, I'm on my way already. And I was like, just, just, just get your bum here. <laughs> and... Oh god, you were just you were just you just looked hurt. You looked you looked like somebody had hurt you really, really bad. Like I can't I can't I can't describe but you just looked empty and I was like, What's what's going on? You just you were drained, you were just you were so emotionally and physically drained and it was just it was just a lot to try and understand and to to help but i think even then i remember us like laughing and joking at one point because that's what we're like our relationship is like if we're going through something traumatic or scary or horrible or really sad we deal with it in humor i'm pretty sure one of the first things i said was like oh you look like shit don't you (laughs) do you know what i mean because that's again like you said that that's our way of coping our 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 but could you see past that yeah i knew i knew obviously I, i could laugh and joke and try and lift you up but there was there was stuff going on that was serious and that's why I knew that I couldn't I couldn't be all like oh no what's wrong what's yeah, yeah yeah because that's not what you need you didn't need someone to like coddle you or go oh but poor you it was like come on mom you're fine let's do this let's let's get in here get some food come on yeah um and even though I didn't let you sleep in my bed because you were <laughs> oh my god guys she literally <laughs> made me sleep on an airbed on the floor because. when I'd been kicked out of my house well you look like I've got an airbed it was no it's because I wear fake tan and she has a white bedding and she didn't want to get my fake tan I'm very, I'm very pedantic about like, yeah she is stuff like that so I'm like, you can stay at my flat, you should sleep on the floor. <laughs> You're homeless, but he has a bed. I've got a picture somewhere. <laughs> you and the bed just like <sighs> cuddled up. You know. But no, you definitely there was it was a different it was a different mindset that you were in. And even though we were laughing and joking and you know, the way that we cope, there was there was it was different. It was more it was a serious situation and I just I think it was a situation that triggered me again. Yeah. And I think that's what I've understood now is that there's certain triggers that trigger me into these really like deep emotional states mm-hmm. that I'm still getting a hold of and still controlling. Because after that, I went to my friend's Emma. I was house hopping at this point. <laughs> I went to my friend's Emma. Emma, shout out to you, hun. Um, <laughs> Emma is my childhood. Childhood? Yeah, childhood best friend. Um, September 30th. Emma was at work. I was in her house on my own. 
I was in a really bad mental state. I was having an episode. Um, the intrusive thoughts started filling in, questioning my own worth, questioning who really cared about me. This then led to the be all and end all thought of, I don't wanna be here anymore. I am in far too much pain that I know how to deal with or handle or can even explain to anybody. So without even thinking, I lifted myself, I went downstairs, I grabbed a bottle, I think it was of pink gin that she had and whatever medication I could find and I lay on the floor and I took as many as I possibly could. In that moment I wanted it all to be over, I didn't want to exist anymore. Um, I remember the girls said I sent a message, don't remember the message I sent, don't remember, I don't remember the build up to it, I don't really remember much to be honest because it was a lot, it was half a bottle of that gin straight yeah. that I drank n more than half at least um, the last thoughts I remember thinking were well my own mother never cared enough my parents hate me so much they want me out the house the love of my life didn't even want me my friends didn't care about me when they betrayed me and this, we, this was the thoughts I was having over and over and over and I was convincing myself that no one cared about me or nobody wanted me around and that was my first ever suicide attempt. Um, I remember very, very vaguely Emma coming in. She told me afterwards that the key was in the back of the door. She couldn't get in. They managed to get in. She was bringing my dad. And I remember, I don't remember much that night, but there's one thing that my dad has always said to me since I was a little girl. And it was, everything's going to be okay. Because I dealt with a lot when I was younger and I deal with a lot now and he says the same phrase to me he said it to me when I was five years old and I was lying on his lap and he was crying and I remember Emma crying and he was telling me everything's gonna be okay everything's gonna be okay I then got in the back of an ambulance um I remember lying in the hospital bed and I felt embarrassed I felt ashamed I felt like you know I couldn't even get this right this didn't even work Emma and my dad were with me I couldn't even look at them because of how scared they were I felt so lost and I felt like they didn't have answers do you know what I mean they like why 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 would she do this and not tell anybody but then I didn't have answers either I felt so lost like I wasn't even in my own body they took bloods tests to make sure I was okay they then sent two women in to speak to me although they didn't get much out of me um, they thought it would be best I go and speak to a psychotherapist. I left the hospital, came home, went to bed. I didn't leave. I cried and I cried. I didn't have the energy to do anything or see anybody. I was so drained. Um, the time came for the appointment with the psychotherapist. My anxiety levels were sky high. I was terrified. I didn't know what to expect, I didn't know what he was gonna say, was he gonna diagnose me with all these things, was I gonna be put on medication? I went in, he told me his name, he asked me all these questions. Now, these questions were not asked in an empathetic manner or in a way I felt comfortable like answering, but I knew I needed to answer if I wanted to get the help, so I did. I told him my thoughts and feelings. I delved a little bit into my past, I know, but like, would be there all day if I went into so much detail. So I just kind of, you know, just little bits. I told him about the self-harm. I told him about the intrusive and suicidal thoughts. 
and the medication I had tried, I opened up to him and here are some of his responses. He said, I don't think there is anything wrong with you. I don't think mentally you have any issues because what you have been through when you were younger, the way you are feeling is normal. Also said, you are only young. You still have a lot to face. You still have a lot to go through. Hmm. A psychotherapist told me one week after I tried to take my own life that there was nothing wrong with me and I was fine. Hmm. He asked if I had any uh, like thoughts of another attempt. I said, well, I'm scared as I can't control when I get in their mindsets and when I get, you know, into them episodes. And when I have them intrusive thoughts, they are quite clearly triggered by something. His response was, well, because you are scared of doing it again, you won't attempt it again. He said he wasn't going to have a follow-up session with me. He told me he doesn't think I have a diagnosis of anything and he didn't want to put me on any medication. I left that hospital in tears. I felt extremely lost like I had just been thrown at the curb I didn't know where to turn to who to turn to what was the next step even now I think back I'm incredibly disappointed with that kind of treatment for someone who was so vulnerable and who was so evidently screaming out for help I wanted to know what was wrong I want to know what I was dealing with so I could find coping mechanisms or the right treatment to stop dealing with the pain I was in and I got nothing I got turned away with no help and I was let down by the system I stayed in bed for weeks trying to understand my pain and why it wasn't going away and I had no answers. Do you think that that's put you off now going to therapy or seeing a therapist or do you think that's something that you'd look into doing again? I still think at this point I would like to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. I would like a diagnosis if there is one. Yeah. But getting that is so hard because you get put on the waiting list for talking therapies I tried to take my own life and get, you know, passed on to a psychotherapist and get told there's nothing wrong with me. What path do I take now, apart from private counselling, that, by the way, is about £50 a session? Jesus Christ. That is scary. That is scary for someone who was in so much pain and struggling so much with their life that they wanted to take it and got turned away. I never went back to anybody. I never was on no no medication. I was speaking to no one. What does someone do in that position? What what got you through then? Like what 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 got, means that you're still here now? I remember sitting telling myself, I refuse to feel like this. I refuse to be in this amount of pain. Not just like oh I don't want to be. No. I refused. I said, I can't do this anymore. I cannot feel this tired. I cannot feel this strained. I cannot feel this hurt. I don't. I didn't know what to do about it because all of these options were just thrown out the window. So I was, at this point, was like October, October, November um, 2019. I was actually offered a very big opportunity to be in a show called The Snow Queen at Northern Stage in, yeah, in the November. Mm-hmm. It was a paid job and a professional experience working with professional actors. Mm-hmm. And I remember how badly I wanted to do it. I knew I couldn't go into the into it with the mindset I was in. I wouldn't have even had the energy. I wouldn't be able to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And so this was the start of it. This was the start of the change. I was so distracted with rehearsals and enjoying the experience so much. It was a big eye opener for me. 
it made me sit back and think of all the opportunities that could come up in life that are literally waiting around the corner for me. I was so, so grateful for the Snow Queen and it changed my life in more ways than ever. It wasn't just, you know, I'm doing a show, I can't wait. It literally changed my whole entire mindset. It made me realise I wanted to be up doing things, being distracted, having fun, doing things for me. I started going to the gym, this really helped. Um, and this mindset just started developing. It made me see everything in, in a more positive light. I started seeing the positive and all the negative because I understood that there was always gonna be bad things that happen, but they will always lead us to the right path. Changing my mindset changed my life. I wasn't in pain anymore. I even messaged Josh and we talked things over um, as I was no longer angry or emotional towards us breaking up. And in, in fact, I thanked him because I learned so much and part of moving on means letting go of any negative factors and feelings in your life. And you know, I wanted us to be okay. We cared about each other in a way that I don't think I've any ever cared or loved about, loved, sorry, anyone in my life. I didn't want to lose him. I didn't, I wanted him to be a part of my life. And so I fixed it. And that was another step of removing all things that could potentially be negative and turning them into a positive. Mm -hmm. So who would you say got you through it? So who were the people that were there for you when you needed them? Me. So yeah, I would say me. My friends supported me. I was in a bad place. They were scared, they were terrified and they were worried. They supported me, they asked how I was doing. They were making sure, you know, I wasn't doing anything else stupid. But the main person who got me out of that place was myself. Mm -hmm. You can only help yourself. People can support you and we've touched upon this and help you, but you can only change your life. You can only change your mindset. You can only make these changes. No one can force you to get up out of bed. No one can force you to go to the gym. No one can force you to, you know, be happy. You have to do that yourself and I cannot extenuate that enough that you literally, you can only help yourself. People can only do so much. You've got to put yourself first. Um, you cannot let your past dictate your future. That was my story and I'm now going to talk about how you can change your life and mindset and any research that might help you on your mental health journey. Mental illness doesn't just go away there is no cure and although i don't have a diagnosis and i don't know what i'm dealing with i will continue to use my coping mechanisms that i will talk about to help me stay positive and hopefully help anybody else out there who desperately needs it so we are now going to touch upon methods to help with your mental health we are going to talk about law of attraction manifestation mindsets all of that sort of stuff. So Shanice, I'm going to start off by asking you what you think law of attraction and manifestation is. Um, I, I know what the concept of it is. I've yeah. never really done it myself. Um, law of attraction, I'm pretty sure you've talked to me about that before and it's, that's about attracting what you want in life. And yeah. if you want something and like you will get that because that you, you're pulling that towards you yeah and manifestation that's when you um you 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 i don't know if you repeat it or you write it down or you you basically you tell the universe that it's tell, gonna happen yeah, yeah. so you it's gonna happen you let the universe know this is the crack this is what we're doing yeah and then because you've put it out there 
it will manifest, it will come because you've made that decision for the universe, basically. Yeah. Okay. That's kind <laughs> of, yeah, that's basically, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that's the, the basics. The basics. So, <laughs> dealing with mental health is not easy. It is tiring, exhausting. Getting out of bed each morning seems impossible. Brushing your teeth is one of the biggest challenges of your day. Washing your hair is like climbing a mountain. But this section will talk about things I did to change my mindset and my outlook on life and how I changed it. Mental health is very different for everybody. Everybody copes and deals in very different ways. And what helped me may not help you. Medication may help you or therapy may help you. But because these things weren't helpful for me or I didn't have access to them, I was forced, essentially, to try other ways. The first biggest thing for me was obviously the show I was in called The Snow Queen that I mentioned earlier. This was the biggest eye-opener for me. You know, I was going to rehearsals. I was even crying about things in the dressing rooms, about things I had no control over in front of people that I'd only just met through doing the show. I didn't want to do that. I don't want to sit and cry about my life. I wanted to enjoy it. Look at the opportunity that had just been given to me. An amazing opportunity doing the thing I loved, loved most and I did not want to waste it. So I started to take in the little things, the conversations, the laughs, people sharing their stories, the singing, the dancing, just all the memory. And it sparked me to think, wow, like this opportunity came out of nowhere. Anything can be waiting around the corner for me and I have no idea. Next week, next month, something can happen that will literally change my life. And this is what began to shape my mindset. Even when bad things happened, something good always came after. I then heard about law of attraction and manifestation. I had no idea what these things were, so I decided to do more research into it. I started off by watching YouTube videos and it literally like amazed me. I was like, what the heck? Law of attraction states that you can have anything you want in life by just asking the universe for it and manifesting it. This literally sounds crazy, but it makes sense. For example, you wake up in the morning and you stub your toe. You immediately think, oh my God, I'm going to have a bad day. Tell me you don't do that. Like, if something goes wrong yeah. in your day, you're like, right, my whole day is ruined. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but you are only going to have a bad day because that is what is on your mind. That's what you've asked the universe for. So your only outcome is going to be a bad day. Hence why then you miss your burst. You spill coffee down you. You get back what you give. Likewise, if you wake up in the morning and say, today is going to be a good and positive day. It is only going to be a positive day. And that's what you're thinking and manifesting. You will only start to notice the positive things in your day as that is what is on your mind and is what you've asked the universe for. This is just an example to help understand the basic concept of what it is. If we change our outlook and mindset to only be positive, you will only receive positive. I am also a strong believer, this is a very taboo one and very controversial, but I also believe that everything happens for a reason. I've always thought this and whether you know you wanna believe it is totally up to you because then people go, well, why do people die? The short and blunt answer is, that's life. That's literally the circle of life. People are unfortunately gonna die. That's what happens. As much as it, like, you know, it can't be prevented. Sometimes it can, you know, science, medical, love that. But 
-hmm. it's life it's the circle of life but so far in my life everything bad that has happened to me has led me to where i am now and where i am now is a better place and therefore i am thankful the bad things have helped me learn understand myself and understand other people and most of all help me develop this mindset there is always going to be bad but from the bad also comes good everything that happens is meant to happen and if you keep that mindset when you're in a bad place it helps you see the light you can take a step back and go okay things are tough right now but maybe this needs to happen for the next good thing to and now that I have that in my head I've started to notice that more mm -hmm. so like if something is going wrong or you know I'm just having a shit time in life something good has always come of it or something good has always happened afterwards mm -hmm. And that forces you to think more positively. I wanted to understand and learn more about law of attraction as I was really interested in it at this point. Like, it was mind-blowing. So I heard about a book called The Secret by Rhonda Bine, which is about the literal secret to having anything you want in life. I'm not going to explain the whole entire book because we would be here forever. But I highly, highly recommend this book. Again, The Secret by Rhonda Bine. Um, this book has taught me a lot and forced me to always think and see things in a more positive light so I can receive more positive. One of the things it does say is that our thoughts are like magnets and have a frequency. Your thoughts are sent out and they magnetically attract all things that have the same frequency. So for example, if you're, you know, bad frequency, low frequency, you're only going to attract that. It's like a magnet. You're only going to attract the bad yeah. thought. So... You ask me, Shanice, how do you do it? How do you manifest? How do you manifest? <laughs> so, for example, say you really want a new car. Okay. You know, you've got your it's a nice car, but say you really want a new car. A really, you know, okay. something good. Um, <laughs> you have to act as if you already have this car. You have the same thoughts and feelings that you would have if you already have it. These signals will be sent to the universe and you can only end up attracting it. If you say, I really want this new car, you're always telling the universe you want it as a future tense thing, so you're never going to get it. Do you get what I mean? Because you're saying, I really want this new car. Mm -hmm. Not, I already have it. I want it. So you're telling the universe that you, you always want it. Yeah. So you haven't got it yet. Mm -hmm. You can manifest by scripting too, writing down the thing you want as if you already have it. So for example, I am happy and grateful for my new car. That new car smell is so fresh and it is so clean. Attach thoughts and feelings as if it is real because that's what you would do when you get new you, your new car. You'd think, ooh, fresh, you know, mm -hmm. new car smell. I wake up and I say my daily affirmations three times over. For example, I say every single morning, I am open and receptive to all the good and abundance the universe has in store for me. This removes any negative blocks that I have in my life to only receive good and it starts my day off more positive. The more positive you think, the more positive you are going to receive. This works. Like, this works. When I tell you that if I'm having a bad day and I stop and go, no, I'm not going to sit here and tell myself I'm having a shit day, blah, blah, blah. I literally repeat that over and over again. Mm -hmm. I will say, I'm going to have a good I'm, I'm, I'm having a good day. Not I'm going to have a good day because obviously that's always going to be in the future. I'm having a good day. I'm so positive today. So when it comes to mental health, the only person who can truly help yourself is you. If you make the conscious effort to make the changes and change your mindset so that it is positive, you will change your life 
no one can think for you. People can support you and help you through the bad days, but long term, you can only help yourself. And doing things like daily affirmations or manifestation, they can only impact you in a positive way. Like I said, this sort of thing may not work for everyone. I'm not saying it is some sort of cure. I'm saying things like this is baby steps and changing your mindset and thinking more positively. We are in control. We choose what we think and do. Choose to love yourself. Choose to want more for yourself. And choose that you deserve the best life possible and you are worth every breath you breathe. If you can change your mindset, you can change your life. It changed mine. I still have bad days, but the bad days ain't nowhere near as bad as they used to. Somewhere in the back of my head, I'm always telling myself, it's gonna be okay. You get what you give to the universe. Think positive, see the bigger picture, and it really helps. Um, I've been forcing myself to only think positive, and I'm content. My life is fine. I manifested my job. I got my job, I'm still manifesting money, I've saved up enough to go to Australia next year. I'm in a very content place in my life. Um, I still have my episodes, I still have my intrusive thoughts, but I am able to control these because of these concepts, law of attraction, manifestation. Please do your research on them. Please read The Secret by Rhonda Bynes or any other book. There's plenty of books out there because I promise you these will have a positive impact on your life and will change your mindset and help your mental health. So this brings me to the end of my podcast. I hope this has educated you in some way. Thank you for listening to my story. Thank you to Shanice Abzali Pudge for helping me with this. Do you have anything you would like to add? Um, no, just the best thing to do is to be honest with yourself and be honest with the people around you. If you're struggling, there is no point hiding it. There's no point denying it because it's just it's just going to stay there and it's just going to be it's going to be difficult. So if I could leave at the end of this podcast with any advice just say it whether it's to yourself in the mirror to your parents to a friend to your dog get it out of your system talk share what's going on and it'll take off some some stress you'll get some relief until you know what your next step is yeah and anybody who knows me my name is caitlin haswell my messages are always open to anybody who needs it if you want to talk or if you want me to tell you more about law of attraction or manifestation or just simply want to talk and get you know let the truth of things hit the air i am here for anybody who needs it um and i will help and give advice and do as much as i can for anybody who wants the help this has been my podcast the pure mental podcast <laughs> and thank you so much for listening